I'd say the only thing that I knew, and this would be advice to anyone who is thinking about starting their own mastermind, is you have to use the law of scarcity and, and use it in a friendly manner if you can too. You have to be hard and firm on the amount of people that you're going to let in. If you're going to create something where there's no cap, then people, for whatever reason, aren't going to value the invitation and the experience as much. Another really valuable thing is to put an emphasis on time. And this is something I adopted from the Cashflow Connections Mentorship Program. But when we get together with our students, because what that does is, again, everyone just values that time together much more just by having that hard stop. And lastly, a little cool hack for anyone who's hosting or facilitating a meeting is you want to always start off the meetings with big wins. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Penn, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Adam Carswell. Adam is a director at Concordia Realty Corporation and the business development manager at ASIM Capital. Today, Adam will tell us about the power of creating a tight-knit mastermind group and how you can leverage your LinkedIn connections to create one yourself. If you're new to this podcast, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com podcast. By the way, if you need help financing your next real estate project, check out Conventus Lending. Conventus is the best hard money lender with amazing rates and incredible service. I've used them for years and they've always been incredibly easy to work with. If you need a hard money loan, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get $1,000 off of your processing fee. And if you want to know the secrets of how investors in the Bay Area are making huge profits in one of the most expensive markets in the world, download the free Ultimate Bay Area Investing Handbook on our website, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. All right, Adam, thank you so much for being on our show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. Hey, guys. My name is Adam Carswell, and I do a handful of things. But I will say primarily I'm a real estate entrepreneur and a podcast host. On the real estate side of things, I'm associated with two uh, what I would consider very successful firms. One is ASIM Capital and the other is Concordia Realty. Both are private equity firms. We work with investors on the Concordia side of things, investing in shopping centers. And then at ASIM, investing in a variety of asset classes from self-storage to mobile home parks, multifamily, and every now and then another asset class that is appealing like, let's say senior living. We recently had a senior living offering. So that's a little bit about my background and who I work with. Marketing as well would be my forte. I help us on LinkedIn, which I'm sure we're going to dig into some LinkedIn stuff today. And yeah, just happy to be here, Sean. Thank you for having me. Oh, happy to have you here as well. And I'm actually excited to hear about your journey. Like, how did you get into real estate investing and how did you get connected with these two groups? So my journey began, I would say, really in a paint store in Washington, D.C. I worked for Sherwin-Williams for a couple of years before I got into real estate. That was my first job out of college. And for me, I just knew at that time I wanted to get into a Fortune 500 company and, and work my way up the ladder. I knew someone who was a recruiter at Sherwin-Williams. I'm from Cleveland originally. A little bit more backstory too. I actually had just moved from Belize back to Ohio where I finished my education. And I just knew that I didn't want to go back to Cleveland because I was like, dude, I was just in Belize. So the Washington, D.C. thing lined up and I had a lot of success there early on. But after like I said, a couple of years, I started to realize that there was a little bit of a ceiling there. And if I wanted to live life more on my terms, I had to get to a job that was more entrepreneurial. And I saw that in real estate, 
And the only thing that I knew in real estate at the time was the residential side of things. I'd say like many individuals, Sean, you could probably relate to this as well. When you tell people that you're in real estate, they go, oh, wait, so uh, what, how many houses are you selling right now? Or, you know, that tends to be like a, just a general question because that's how most people view it. But the commercial side of things and especially the investment side as well are just like it's a really interesting sector that I think people don't even realize exists. And once you get into it, you just keep going down that rabbit hole. And so that's what happened to me. Started off in residential. I was with Remax for a couple of years as well in the DC area. And then I came across my, you could say, boss, friend, mentor, business partner, Hunter Thompson of ASIM Capital. He was on a podcast. I followed up with him. I was just like, man, I love what you're doing. I love what you're talking about. I need help. I need to learn more about this industry. What can we do? And he likes to say that I was the final push for creating the Cashflow Connections Mentorship Program, which is a platform, an educational platform that I would say thankfully and gratefully help administer now alongside Hunter. And we've been running that program since late 2017, early 2018. Like I said, I was one of five of the first students to come through and just kept pushing, pushing, pushing Hunter, letting him know that I wanted to to be there alongside him and work on projects. And, And next thing you know, that's where I'm at. And I ultimately met Michael Flight of Concordia Realty, my other friend, boss, business partner, and mentor through Hunter. And it's just been a great way to build relationships ever since then. That's awesome. So you heard Hunter on a podcast and then you decided to follow up with him. Was he a guest on the podcast or was he actually someone that, like, was it your podcast or is it someone else's podcast you happened to join into? He was a guest on a podcast that I was following. I didn't have my own show at the time. And it's funny looking back on it. I mean, for anyone listening right now, if you want to even go look it up, the show's called Anarchast. And it's a show very much more focused on bringing people on the show who have a certain type of worldview. And so it was really weird for me. I remember to see a commercial real estate investor come on this show because normally you've got like anything from like flat, like not kidding, like flat earthers to like, you know, people talking about is the moon landing real or not? Like, and then all of a sudden Hunter's on the show. I'm like, oh, okay, let's see what this guy's talking about. So I have a very open mind, if you can't tell. So Hunter and I clicked. And what was it about his podcast episode that said, all right, I want to listen to this guy more and reach out to him? I love this already because I've never actually gone into this part of my life before on a show. So I started following this particular podcast because that was back during the cryptocurrency boom, the, well, the one in 2017. And like many people, you just you couldn't help but at least start doing some research on it. And so I was following this show because every now and then they would have some cool crypto talks. And like I said, all kinds of different ideologies. And then all of a sudden, Hunter came on. And I knew that at that time, I was trying to get into commercial real estate, but I just didn't know where to start. I knew it was kind of, as some people say, a a side of things where the sharks swim. And the only place that I knew to go was I was talking to brokers and looking more on the transactional side of things instead of the ownership side of things and working with investors. So Hunter just kind of showed up out of the blue on this show. And I'm like, I got to follow up with this guy. And it just, it really did just snowball from there. That was probably the fall of 2017. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the reason why I ask this question is because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who even listen to this episode who are going to think, oh, wow, like these podcast guests that come on, there's some big shot real estate investors or you know professionals in their career, and they don't have time for someone like me. But to be honest, I don't know how many people actually reach out to the guests after the show's over anyway. So if you're that one or two people who actually reach out, you might get some good responses from it. And in your case, you reached out and you got a whole new career in real estate. So that's great. Exactly. You have to uh, take action, follow up and reach out because like you said, those guests sometimes really are not as far away as you think. 
Exactly. And so when you reached out to Hunter and you said that you wanted to kind of go through his mentorship, what were some of the things that he had you do that got you sped up in commercial real estate? Yeah. So this will be kind of like a mini walkthrough of what the, what the course is like. I will say, if you're interested in taking the course, you got to check out the website. You know, that's the best way to do it really is to go to cfcmentorshipprogram.com and apply. I'm not sure when this interview is going live, but we are currently accepting applications for Q3. We only got like a week or so left here. But if you guys are interested, the reason why I say that is because if you go through the sales funnel, you ultimately will end up on the phone with me and we'll sit down for a half hour or we'll get on the phone for a half hour and go into um, you know some details on what the course is about and what it's like. High level, I'll just say, you know, Hunter has made a name for himself and for our company through being very sophisticated and killer. I'll tell you why I say killer, but sophisticated and just killer capital raiser. Our theme is never scramble for capital again. And he's put together a framework in which that's doable. And if you actually don't even want to take the program, you can just go to raisingcapitalforrealestate.com which is Hunter's most recent book. And we've seen nothing, but in a, you know, it sounds like I'm biased or whatever, but I'm telling you right now, just from the LinkedIn interaction that we've seen, nothing but rave reviews on that book. We really view it as the playbook for raising capital over the next 10 to 15 years. So again, high level what the course is like, go read the book because the book is basically, here's how to, this is how you do this. This is how you raise capital. And then the course is more of like, allow us to do it with you. This is how we do it. A little bit more of like a look behind the scenes. Now, obviously raising capital is not the only focus, I should say. And we do have a lot of passive investors that take the course as well. And you know, those are in- individuals who are really looking to just improve their in- investing skills passively and make sure that they're you know working with the right operators and making right decisions and choices. And lastly, I'd say CPAs, attorneys, just real estate professionals in general that are looking to familiarize themselves more with their clients that's uh, normally, I'd say, like the third type of student or individual that we'll see come through the course. And the reason why I reference these different types of individuals is to kind of answer your question is what's in the course? What's it like? It's attracting individuals like that. So you, it kind of speaks for itself on the material. So when you were first getting started, you kind of went through something similar to this program where you were just getting caught up in like what commercial real estate is as well as how to raise funds for it, et cetera. Yeah. And actually, I mean, it's funny because I look at who gets attracted to this course. And I would definitely consider myself like an outlier because for me, it was more just like, I didn't know anything. I didn't even, I hardly even knew what a syndication was. I just knew this was the direction I wanted to go. And so I remember like looking back on it. I mean, it's drinking from a fire hose for anyone that comes through it, just a heads up, which we kind of take pride in because that's like, I think Hunter's biggest fear is anyone ever coming through this and being like, yo, that wasn't good enough. But um, you know, for me, it was, man, it was definitely drinking from a fire hose to the point where even by the time I was done with the course, I still didn't know like exactly what I want to do. Like, do I want to be a syndicator, et cetera? I just knew like, yeah, I learned a lot from this guy. I tapped into a network that I probably never would have had access to. And I just basically, I'd say like in a way, what it felt like clinging on for dear life at the time. And then uh, not too long after completing the course, Hunter reached out to me and he was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to Vegas for a conference. I need some people to come along with me to represent the company. Would you be interested in joining? And I think our biggest thing as well, and this is what we talk about in the book, is the reason why we believe raising capital is probably the most lucrative skill in real estate is because you can have up to $100 million in assets under management with a team of three if you do it right. And that's basically, for the most part, where I'd say where we're at with ASIM. So really lucky to get in with him, as I would say, well, not, not early on, but early enough to be a part of that small team. Very nice. Was a conference like a tenant 
10x growth conference by any chance? <laughs> it was not, but that is in Vegas. You're right. It was funny. We were at Freedom Fest, which is another uh, more of like a ideology type of conference where uh, it's the claim to fame is the world's largest gathering of free minds. And they're actually having a Freedom Fest this year, too. And Michael Flight from Concordia Realty is, is going to be there. I won't be able to make it because Canada's being strict right now. But anyways. Well, that's great. So now after you went through the program, what would you say you did next in terms of your real estate investing career? Yeah. And I, I mean, I should, you know, full disclaimer, too. I'm not accredited, I would say, yet on the way to starting to achieve some of these real estate goals. Again, like I've really only been in this industry for about a little over two years. And I would say starting from the ground up, like, again, I didn't even know what a syndication was when I first got started. But as far as investing, I would say, you know, thankfully, the way in which uh, we're structured at ASIM, you know, I'm technically an employee of the company. I'm able to network with investors and bring, you know, capital to the table through, again, through networking. So we have ways to, you know, keep myself motivated. And for now, that's, I would say that's good enough as an investor. It's, it's helped me feel out what the industry is like. And I think my vision, and maybe I just get this from Hunter, because I know he just wants to get to a point where all he has to do is show up somewhere and speak and he's good. I'd say I'm in the same shoes. I just want to show up and speak. And then once, you know, once the, the money lines up, then I'll start putting it into vehicles that I've learned about over the, over the uh, journey. That's the dream. Yeah. And so I've also seen that you're like this master LinkedIn networker. You want to talk about LinkedIn and your mastermind groups? I would love to. And I'd say you actually got me at a good time with this because the mastermind is relatively young. I don't think I've actually publicly spoken about the mastermind yet. And again, it's like a, it's a project where I'm just going to be as real with you as I can on this interview. It's like, this is a step-by-step -step process. Did not realize what I was getting into. I just knew it was a direction to go. Um, one big thing that I've taken from learning from Hunter is he's really big on meditation. After working with him for it, you know, it took me a year to finally listen to him and start doing it. The first year, I never even took time to stop and meditate. But the Next Level Mastermind really came from meditation for me. Two individuals, Mo Bina of High Rise Capital, also a graduate of the Cashflow Connections Mentorship Program. And then uh, another guy out of Austin, Texas, Ben Kogut, who I've had on my show, Dream Chasers. They just kept coming to mind for me. And I'm like, I have no idea why Like the universe is telling me to like reach out to these guys and have us do a three-way call. But Let's do it. And this was back in January. And we had one three-way call and started getting some ideas. And we had another one and another one. And then added a few people to that call until we got to six members. And we we're like, all right, you know what? I think we're going to launch a mastermind. And to be honest, like all I'm doing is just making sure everyone comes together and starts talking. As far as like the brains behind it, I, I find it very hard to be the one taking credit for it. But it's just been cool to see how a mastermind really is everyone's minds coming together and creating these really cool ideas. And so I'd say the only thing that I knew, and this would be advice to anyone who is thinking about starting their own mastermind, is you have to put, you have to use the law of scarcity and, and use it in a friendly manner if you can too. So like we only have 18 members in our group and that was something where, I don't know, I'm, I'm weird and like big on numbers and stuff. And my personally, my number is number nine. So I was like, all right, one plus eight, there you go, it's nine, 18. And it's a perfect amount for like meeting. You don't really want to get more than that. So anyways... You have to be hard and firm on the amount of people that you're going to let in. If you're going to create something where there's no cap, then people, for whatever reason, aren't going to value the invitation and the experience as much. It was also coming together right as COVID was starting to hit and everyone's pocketbooks were starting to just feel different than normal. So thanks to Ben Kogut, he was just like, we're not even going to talk about charging anyone right now. Like This is just, we're looking to add as much value to everyone in this group's life as possible. And I'd say we've stayed true to that since 
we'd had that conversation back in, you know, it's June, almost July now. That was back in February. So another really valuable thing is to put an emphasis on time. And this is something I adopted from the Cashflow Connections Mentorship Program. But when we get together with our students, Hunter has always been very firm on making sure that, you know, when we have our meetings that we end right on time, if not maybe like a minute over. Because what that does is, again, everyone just values that time together much more just by having that hard stop. And lastly, a little cool hack for anyone who's hosting or facilitating a meeting is you want to always start off the meetings with big wins. If you got a big group of people, you obviously want to encourage them to make it short, sweet, and to the point. But if you can have everyone in a meeting go through like something successful that they've had in their life over the past month or week, it just sets a tone for the rest of the meeting, a very optimistic and positive tone. So those are my hacks for group meetings and masterminds for everyone out there. That's awesome. And are you guys doing this on like Zoom, Zoom chats? We're doing it through Zoom. And I just remembered we did reference LinkedIn a little bit too. We've chosen to use LinkedIn as like our centralized platform for all that we do as a mastermind, whether it's, you know, marketing or our LinkedIn page, or, you know, we do have a, a private message thread. One other thing that I would just advise to anyone looking to start a mastermind is Thanks to one of our founding members, and he's the baby of the bunch. He's like 22 years old, Sharaf Islam. Shout out to you, man, if you listen to this. He suggested that we create an NDA for anyone in the mastermind to sign when coming through. Just It's like a psychological thing, but everyone takes it that much more seriously. Know that they like signed a confidentiality agreement to be a part of this. And I don't know how that, again, it's a psychology thing, but it works. And I just say we really like what we're seeing with the Next Level Mastermind right now. How often are you guys meeting up? All right, cool. Here we go. Mastermind coaching. <laughs> and again, guys, remember, this is early on for me. Like I'm still learning new ways to be a leader every day. But one thing I got this from Hunter and his advice was, you know, you want to make it something where everyone takes it as serious as possible. And it's hard to do that when you're meeting more than once per month. If it's something where you make it a monthly meeting or even quarterly, you know, we're meeting on Zoom because of the current circumstances We'll probably do some real life meetups when things change. But I mean, yeah, if you're constructing a mastermind, you really want to be respectful of everyone's time and realize that even once a month, that's a lot. So that's my advice is if you're going to do it once per month works really well. And then how long are they supposed to be? Just like one hour? Okay. There's another hack from Hunter, which is a hack from another leader out there, a marketing leader. And if anyone listening right now is familiar with a guy named Russell Brunson, but Russell Brunson has made an amazing name for himself through, again, just through authenticity and basically giving away his secrets. Like if you follow Russell Brunson and you, you read his books or whatever, like I went to his conference in January, I got one of his books right here, Expert Secrets. If you read through it, he literally tells you, I'd say for the most part, like everything that he does to build what he does. And so that's kind of how I feel like right now is like, I'm just telling you guys, this is how I do it. And I would advise, you know, it's working. So Give it a shot. Now that I just said that, I actually kind of forgot what your last question was. How long is it? Oh, yes. So we're at uh, 90 minutes per meeting. And it's been good. Considered extending it or cutting it back, but not enough of any. Nothing has really made us go, oh, wow, we need to change it yet. Now, I say we because it's not just me. It's, it's me and, and Mo and Ben, as I just mentioned, along with the six founding members that kind of help just make everything flow. I think if it was run through one person, then in my opinion, it'd be a little bit, there's not enough minds to help drive it in the right direction. You need more than one mind to help a mastermind. Yeah. 
you need people to care because I used to have a mastermind in my own house and I would tell everyone to drive to my house, right? Some people came from San Francisco to where I live. You probably don't know where that is, but it's like uh, an hour drive, maybe an hour and a half with traffic. I used to live in Mountain View. Okay, yeah, yeah. So then you know, I live in, in Milpitas. Okay. Oh, yeah. From SF to Milpitas in the weekday, terrible, but they would do it. And then after a while, like, you know, they come in, we do our like, oh, what do you guys do? What do you guys have planned? Do you guys get your goals done? And they say, no, I didn't even look at this until today, you know? So it didn't really work out. So it's good that we have these virtual meetings. And it's cool that during this time, you're able to effectively, you know, create these masterminds through Zoom. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, thank you. We're having a good time. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned Russell Brunson. I read his book, Dotcom Secrets, earlier this year, and he lays it out. You're right. And if I were to be in the e-commerce space, I would probably just copy his methods and see what goes on. Yeah, there's some things you do have to tweak based on our industry because his is more focused on something that's fast moving. We have higher ticket items normally in commercial and any real estate. So Exactly. So the you know spammy type marketing may not work in this case. It might not be the same, yeah. Now, I'm wondering, why do you have your group based in LinkedIn? I think a lot of people are doing theirs on Facebook nowadays. Yeah, we chose LinkedIn because we just found that that's where it started with the three, what is it, Mo, Ben, and myself. And then we kind of branched out to six, and then we branched out to 18. And the commonality that we saw in all 18 of us was we spend a significant amount of time on LinkedIn, probably more so than we all spend on Facebook. For example, there's some people in our group that don't even use Facebook. So... I have to agree with you, especially in commercial real estate right now, it seems like Facebook is not becoming the new LinkedIn, but becoming like a very nice compliment. It's like, if you're going to do this, then you have to have this. We haven't gotten there yet. We might move to Facebook, but again, I think it's been most helpful just to know that everyone knows there's just one place to go to talk and to post and to share. I will say we have a, a private group as well. That's just some advice for everyone out there. There's a private chat and a private group. What we talk about in these things. And this is what I will say. I can't tell you guys what we talk about. That's the NDA part. Can't tell you what we're talking about. Yeah. You all find NDAs. But I can tell you about the structure. Right. And is there only 18 people in the whole group or is that just how many people can go to each session? 18 in the whole group. And our only requirement, if that's what you want to call it, out of the founding members and principles that we put together is, you know, we want to see everyone consistently looking to add as much value to everyone's lives as possible. And if it ever does get to a point where we you know, feel as though maybe someone's not up to speed with everyone else, then you know, it's something where, again, the mastermind will decide. And I'd say, thankfully, we're looking pretty good. Yeah, everyone's on their best behavior right now. Yeah. And it's, hey, you know what? It's early. So, I mean, you just got to be, you got to keep it real. And again, life goes on and we're feeling, again, very optimistic about what we've got going on here. Exactly. And how do you choose your, let's say, 18 members if you want to create a great mastermind? So again, I think this is where like it helps to have more than one person kind of being like like running it or centralizing it or whatever. So myself, Mo, and Ben, this was with the input of our six founding members. So with the six founding members, we came together. We decided we want to do an application process on LinkedIn. So anyone who wants to be a part of this group, you know, we are looking for movers, shakers, people who aren't afraid to voice up and, and you know say something. So our call to action was to post a 60-second video on LinkedIn about how you can best add value to this group. And that was our application process. And if we had to do it over again, I'm not sure we would do it the same way because we realized, you know what, there's some really 
rock star quiet people out there too that would just never be able to pull off the 60 second video. But that's essentially how we structured it. And then we went through our applications and took a hard look at everyone that applied. And we knew that we wanted to narrow it down to 18, which is actually just selecting 12. So it did get kind of tough there at the end. But myself, Mo and Ben, we met together a handful of times, kind of put together a little a voting process that we used. And from there, we were able to put together the group that you guys now see today, which is the Next Level Mastermind. If you want to, I guess we'll get you a link, Sean, so we can put that in the notes. People can go check it out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You have like an application process and people actually took it really seriously and applied. And usually it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to ask this friend I know about, you know, I'm going to ask this friend to join my mastermind group. I wouldn't just send it out there to the world and get applications from all these different people. We got, I mean, I think we got a little nervous at first too, because like a, a day or two went by and like no one posted anything. But all you need is an icebreaker. I think it's like whenever you do, I've done webinars too, and like you do a Q&A and no one will speak up. And then one person will ask a question and the next thing you know, it's just. Exactly. Yeah, it's always how it is, right? No one wants to be first, but then once it is, then it's all good. Yeah. And then what's the plan? Are you trying to like create more groups or, you know, are you trying to create like a thought leadership platform on LinkedIn or just trying to keep this small and just 18 people? I think for now, I'd really to just, again, to be completely honest, we're focused on each other. We're focused on the 18 that we have. I think that if there ever were to be some type of addition to what we've created, it will come from within. And honestly, it probably won't even come from me. We have some really, oh man, there's one idea that we're working on right now. Like I said, sign the NDA, I can't tell you, but it was just like the person that came up with that, I was just like, yes, because that's why you do it. The mastermind is in our case, 18 really smart people all working together. So yeah, to answer that question, I I see it staying how it is right now for the foreseeable future. And I kind of made a joke with everyone when we first started was like, you know, I want this to be like the Illuminati of our industry. Like I want people to be like, oh, wait, she's in the next level mastermind. He's in the next level. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's the stigma we're going for right now. That's cool. I have uh, almost like 950 people in my local mastermind. Like they're signed up on Meetup, right? Signed up, quote unquote. And I haven't had a Meetup group in person since this whole shelter in place things happened. Finally, under the urging of my friend, she told me, all right, let's just create a virtual mastermind. I'm honestly very scared to see how it goes because, you know, we're going to launch it. I'm scared that people are going to talk over each other and, you know, how's it going to be with no real topic? So there's like different models to this too. And I know a handful of people that are super successful with like the open format mastermind and they've got weekly meetings and it's kind of like anyone can come. And a lot of the times you get the same people showing up. So then what you end up doing is you still end up building a really powerful group. And I just thought of that because, you know, as you mentioned, you have the meetup with 900 individuals that could be just as valuable as any other meetup or mastermind. Yeah. I definitely took some notes from your format and um I'll try to apply it to this meetup that's happening next week. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how it goes. If you need a guest speaker, I can put something together. Sounds good. Sounds good. So what's next for you, by the way? I'd say what's next for me is what the month of July. It's looking pretty good. No, in regards to the mastermind, I mean, we have our monthly meeting in July, which I really am looking forward to a ton. As far as what we're working on at ASIM Capital, again, given the current circumstances, it's hard to focus on anything, especially I'd say for myself, on any, anything besides the educational platform. I rarely get involved on the capital raise side. Like I'm out there shaking hands and, and talking to investors and networking when I can. But again, Hunter really manages that. So at ASIM, focusing on how we can just continue to add value to our students. I think I forgot to mention this earlier. 
but we do only take, we take no more than I should say 14 students per quarter, which is another, I guess that's another thing that I carried over to the mastermind without thinking is like, again, scarcity. There's some groups out there, some coaching groups, et cetera, where they kind of just, as far as I know, they just take whoever is willing to pay no matter how many people it is. And I think for us putting a, a cap on the amount of students that can come through per quarter adds a ton of value and especially gives the students a lot more one-on-one time with Hunter, which is ultimately why they are taking the course. And then at Concordia, we're working on a really cool project that's in a sense outside of Concordia. It's called Liberty Real Estate Fund, which is a security token offering. We have a meetup. We actually, you know what? That is another meetup that I am a part of, but I just kind of view it a little bit differently than the mastermind. It's the Chicago blockchain real estate meetup. We inherited it because it was on meetup.com and it was about to get like deleted. And somehow they reached out to Michael Flight, asked him if he wanted to take over. So he did. And yeah, so we have our next meeting. I don't know when this will go live, but it'll be on July 9th, which is a Thursday. Um, And then each one is always three weeks after that. And it's a great place to come network with individuals who are interested in blockchain and real estate. That's the main focus there. That's nice. I have a friend that does like this big Asia blockchain conference and I've never had the chance to attend it. So now I'm like, all right, cool. It's all virtual now. My biggest takeaway from the blockchain meetups, and I'll just say this to anyone out there is it seems like, you know, I'm still, I feel like I'm still a rookie with talking about blockchain technology, but the best way I can put it is if you remember, if you were alive or whatever, if you remember like when the internet first came around in the nineties or the early two thousands and everyone kept saying like, this is the future. And then there was always the people that are like, yeah, no, it's not. And the next thing you know, like that's literally all we live on right now is the internet. I get the same vibe from how blockchain technology works. Everyone's saying, oh yeah, it's the future. And some people are like, oh yeah, whatever. But like give it like five to 10 years and it'll just be how the industry operates. So start doing your research on on real estate and blockchain if you can. I think you'd be ahead of the game. Absolutely. And in terms of your education platform and just you know uh, networking, talk to other investors, have you felt that interest in real estate investing has kind of waned a little bit especially because of the, you know, shelter in place and the political problems we have. You know, like it's, not, it's, not, it's not something that's on everyone's mind right now. Are you seeing any of that? Yeah, I think one valuable thing for both of us, Sean, and for anyone listening who is in the real estate industry is, whether you realize it or not, we're actually in an industry that's always paying close attention to the political climate. We're always talking about when is the next recession. We're always focused on it. I mean, other industries, they do that maybe to a certain extent. But, you know, we're the ones who are always hedging against when's the next recession going to be. So remember, just in general, as a thought leader or someone who's in real estate in your communities, you're always normally always going to be the one who can make the biggest impact by sharing your thoughts. And so to go back to what you're saying on just the current climate, I think that right now there's, you know, there's still, especially in the U.S., probably too much fear and uncertainty for most to act. I'd say with that being said, we all kind of know, like, that's when you act is when, when everyone's, you know, not moving, take action. But as far as seeing like a bounce back, I think we've seen, you know, the market start to open back up here recently, but I, I think probably not until Q4, are we going to know for sure when things will be back to normal? And I don't know, it's with, even with, you know, individuals not being able to, you know, pay rent and that type of thing, it could even be a little bit longer, like I just said, than, than we think for things to get back to normal. But I do believe that after, probably after the election, regardless of who, comes into office, we'll start to see a bounce back. And then my next prediction, I got this from a guy named Adam Gower, who interviewed someone on his podcast, which actually I'm having Adam Gower and Michael Flight speak on 
how to weather the storm during recessions because they've both been in real estate for like combined over 60 years. But Adam Gower had a really cool person on his show talk about a recurring real estate cycle where it's like four, eight years of growth followed by four years of recession and then another eight years of growth. Real estate is very sensitive to political climates and people are naturally just scared when it comes to buying and selling real estate. Yeah, based on what you said, it seems that you know maybe Q1 of 2021 is going to be when we're going to really see the impacts of what happened this year, whether we survive and do well or we have some issues to deal with. I mean, I'll say this too, you know, I know we've definitely taken a huge step back in regards to the assets that we're underwriting at both companies, if that speaks to you know, to anyone. I think that's the general climate again for right now. Would you happen to know in terms of like percentage wise, like how conservative are you guys now? Like, are you guys riding 85% of what you guys were in before? I'll be up front. I mean, it'd be tough for me to speak on behalf of ASIM. Again, Hunter's really, he's got that on lock. I know from the involvement that I've had at Concordia in underwriting, and I'd set to say just thank you, Michael Flight, for bringing me on and teaching me how to look at retail assets. I never knew how to do that <laughs> before. But man, if we were being conservative before, which we were, like it's a whole new level right now. Again, like I mentioned, to the point where we're not even really looking at a whole lot of deals. We're more focused on, for example, putting together this uh, security tokens offering with, and just making sure, you know, we've got our fundamentals, we've got our baseline down. I'm trying to remember if that answered the question though. Okay. Is that kind of your main focus right now? You guys are trying to set up this like blockchain with real estate? Yeah, that's our main focus right now is making sure that our foundation is in place because not a whole lot of companies have attempted to do what we're doing and the one a lot of the ones that have like gotten you know have ran into issues with the sec or just making sure that they do it the right way i just got to say working with someone like michael flight who's one of the smartest guys i know i feel really confident about what we're doing and once it's time it should be a lot of fun can you talk about that at all or is it part of your nda as well I think I can talk about it a little bit. I would say uh, anyone who wants to know more about the Liberty Real Estate Fund, you can go to libertyfund.io. I don't think we have anything public on there yet. It's just a landing page, but I could be wrong because I know we are going to start having some blogs and some articles on there soon. Yeah, libertyfund.io, the Chicago Real Estate Blockchain Collective. I know that's a mouthful. Chicago Blockchain Real Estate Collective. That's the meetup that we host. And it's not focused on Liberty Fund, but we do talk about it at least for a little bit on every meeting so far. So those are great places to get information on what we're doing. Like I mentioned, we've got a team and we've got some really sharp guys on this team who I would say, again, are much smarter than I am and know a lot more about what we're doing. But in general, I mean, I actually misphrased this the other day and I said, it's kind of like a REIT, but with with tokens. And Michael was like, no, actually, Adam, you got to rephrase how you say that. And I can't remember how he told me how to rephrase it. But yeah, I'd say reach out if you're interested in learning more definitely reach out to me. I'll get you plugged in with the leaders of our team who can really get into the weeds with you. Yeah, because I don't really understand much about blockchain besides, you know, like Bitcoin's made by some algorithm and then you get a Bitcoin and it's worth, you know, it was worth $20,000 at its peak in 2017. How does that work with real estate? Yeah, again, like I just said, you can't compare it to a REIT necessarily. But if you just imagine, you know, we'll just say 20 assets or properties under management and being able to work with investors, and sh- like the tokens represent shares instead of traditional way of doing business. So, I mean, that should make sense. Is that kind of what it is? Like you have like maybe I say 100 tokens and that represents 100% of this portfolio of 20 properties. There you go. Thank you for making it even more simple than I could. Yes, that's exactly like the direction. 
Okay, so then if I have one, one coin, that'd be like some percentage of this portfolio. Correct. So let me ask you a question then. Why go through this method of using blockchain to, to like div- divvy up real estate instead of just selling shares like you probably would? There's a lot of benefits and I know some just off the top of my head. Transaction time and speed is much quicker. It's all on a what's called a, a general ledger. It's it's like public. You can see everything that's taking place. There's nothing that's taking place behind closed doors in the way in which it's structured. Again, from a details perspective and how that works, I'm not the right person to give you that answer. It's just the entire project becomes very transparent to the point where you don't need all these middlemen that have been a part of traditional real estate investment and transactions. So with blockchain coming, I guess, you know, I've heard people saying like accountants are going to get phased out because of the way the internet and again, blockchain is moving. I won't say that there's service providers in our industry that are going to get phased out. They're just going to have to become more innovative on how they do business because it's going to get to a point where you don't need a uh, like settlement. I mean, settlement can happen so much more fat, so much faster on the blockchain by the way the technology is structured. Yeah. In terms of just maybe just buying and selling real estate, you don't have to go through this whole process. You can just buy and sell the coin and you basically have the same thing. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's really cool. I mean, thanks for going through this because I know it's like hard to go into detail, especially with something that's so new and, you know, you you don't want to say something wrong on the air, right? My biggest thing is, yeah, that's my biggest thing is I just want to say something wrong. Right, for sure. But I think it's still good to get like the insight because I never thought about this, you know? So thank you. It's cool to even think like, oh, in the future, maybe you're going to be buying and selling these, these coins instead of having to go through the traditional way of buying and selling real estate. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Very interesting. Cool. Well, Adam, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we finish up our show today? You guys, if you like what you heard today, I encourage everyone to, you know, listening right now, feel free to reach out to me. Best way would be email. It's adam at carswell.io. But yeah, if there's anything that we spoke about today that caught your attention, I'd be happy to go into further details with you. You know, whether it's was the mastermind or the mentorship program, Networking on LinkedIn, we didn't get into a whole lot on that, but I mean, just as far as strategies on how to make a name for yourself there, I love talking LinkedIn. And yeah, lastly, if you have interest in security tokens or blockchain and real estate, I'd be happy to point you in the right direction. Great. I have a podcast too. Yeah. Let's actually go into that. Can you tell us a little bit more about networking on LinkedIn? Sure. For me, it actually all kind of all started with somebody who's in the mastermind. Her name is Raquel Boris. Um, and she actually has never been in the commercial real estate sector until she became a part of this mastermind. And it's really cool to see how she's you know, working her way in there. But I'll never forget, I met Raquel at a networking event like three, roughly three years ago. And somebody told me, like I had a LinkedIn, but I didn't really use it. And they're like, if you're looking to make a name for yourself on LinkedIn, go meet that lady and like point it to her. And hopefully Raquel gets to hear this, but you know, we took a picture together and started talking and then I remember putting that picture up and I got like way more likes and comments and everything that I ever did before. And I just remember asking her like, you know, what's your secret? How do you do this? And over time, I just kind of studied how she conducted herself and she posted consistently. I always tell people now, especially if you're getting started, you know, do your best to try and post daily. If you can't do it daily, at least three to five times a week, it doesn't always have to be like business oriented. Like I just posted a video of myself playing with my dog the other day, like people buy from personality. And that's what I got from Raquel. It's like this woman is actually, yeah, she's going on there and talking business, but the other half of the time, like she's just being a goofball. People love it. People just gravitate towards your personality to the point where I'm even surprised that I'm wearing a collared shirt for this interview right now because my avatar, if you go look on any social media platform, is me just 
casually hanging out in my favorite hoodie. And I found that, you know, people gravitate towards the personality more than anything. So that's my biggest piece of advice for anyone who's trying to make a name for themselves on LinkedIn. Just be yourself. Very nice. Well, thanks for that. And before we finish the episode today, do you want to talk about your podcast as well as the themes and some of the guests you've had on the show? Yes. Dream Chasers interviews with the future. And on Dream Chasers, we bring next level talent to the light. For the first 100 episodes, which was season one, that ended not too long ago, I would bring individuals on to talk about their business or project or idea. And it always had to be something that they're working on that was less than five years old that showed like massive amounts of promise into the future. After a while, I started to realize, you know what, that's cool and everything. But what if I want to bring someone on who's like been in business for 40 years? It's kind of like not, it doesn't work that way. So now we've taken a spin for season two. And this is my advice to anyone else out there who has a podcast or getting started. I got this technique from Hunter. Whenever you're entering into environment, always try to see if you can find an interesting angle as a takeaway that no one else in the environment or no one else in the room is looking at. And so for me, I think now moving into season two of the show, I'm always trying to find a topic that most individuals out there would never like think of in the first place. Like I just had someone on talking about how to build a, a mining rig for cryptocurrency. I keep talking about these guys like crazy, but I like I had Hunter come on to talk about the art of storytelling. I've got someone coming on soon to talk about the art of letting go of just allowing yourself to be as we hear all the time in the moment, but you know, really how to work through that. Cause sometimes we can, we feel like we have to do something to make ourselves not feel uneasy. And sometimes you just got to be uneasy and embrace that weird feeling. So I'm talking here for you here, Sean, <laughs> but that's, that's like the direction that dream chasers has gone now is we're just looking for interesting topics that normally aren't being uh, spoken about on podcasts. No, that's great. Do you have any like key takeaways or like, something that you heard from a guest that you were like, wow, and kind of changed the way you do your business? Yeah, let's see here. We had most recently, I had Steven Pesavento on my show. He's the host of the Investor Mindset podcast. Guys, check out his show. Steven talked about how he has been super successful and is still super successful to this day, but in different regards. If you go check out the interview, you can find it. But he was having migraines for like two years and just couldn't figure out how to get rid of them, went to all the doctors, all the whatever, you name it. And then one day hanging out with his friend on a beach, someone who was a doctor or didn't even consider themselves a doctor, but labeled as a doctor was coming to LA to do some spiritual healing work with people like Oprah and Richard Branson. And he just happened to be in this guy's line of fire because his friends was friends with him. And then he ended up staying at his house because his friend was his roommate and this guy, Stephen was like, hey, like I've had migraines for the past two years. Like, I don't know if you can help me, but like I've tried everything. If you like hear Stephen's podcast, you, you would not think that this is someone who's like a, like a, oh, the universe type of guy. But this person did this spiritual healing work on him. And he's just basically, he's like, I aligned your, I helped you align your soul with your mind because they were not connected at all. You were not in line with your focus was just not where it needs to be. So we talked about bringing the mind and the soul or the heart and the mind together and how that helps individuals move forward in the right direction. And it's clearly been the answer for Steven. So I got a lot out of that. Did you uh, apply that to your own life? I am as best as I can, I think, because uh, the meditation, it's a daily journey, a daily battle. I don't think you always, you're always going to be like, okay, I've got it aligned. I'm good. Like you always have to make sure that you're staying balanced. And so for me, 
I mean, I'm not going to lie with COVID. I've put a huge, like it's messed up my workout schedule compared to what I was used to before it. So sometimes I notice like when I'm not staying on top of myself for my fitness, that's a really meditative state when you're working out and yeah, takeaways from that interview. I'd say, just make sure that I'm, I'm doing the same thing that Steven talked about. Tell me about it. I haven't been to the gym in three months and the one I go to is closing down permanently. It's very sad. So we're going to have to figure out what happens once we start to be able to go back. Yeah, man. I, I'm looking forward to my yoga studio, hopefully opening back up too. <laughs> very nice. All right. Well, Adam, this has been a very wonderful conversation. I've had a great time having you on the show. Thank you so much for all of your input and it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Sean. And also lastly, thank you, Stephanie Boldrini for introducing us to each other. Yes. Thanks for hooking us up. All right. Take it. Here are some key takeaways from this episode. Mastermind groups are crucial for anyone who wants to level up their game. It gets you in a room with like-minded individuals who can keep you accountable for your goals. It's easy to disappoint yourself, but it's hard to disappoint others. Mastermind groups are also a great way to create new ideas. So join or create a mastermind today to start reaping the rewards. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.